Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hello and welcome everyone to a new episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast. I'm your co-host Ralph Velasco here with my good friend Ugo Che. Hey Ugo, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, it's a very nice sunny day here in Italy. And how about you? Wonderful. Yeah, it seems that uh, spring has sprung finally. Uh, we've had a little bit of rainy weather, which I, I enjoy at times, but uh, was ready for some uh, beautiful clouds and sunny days so feel like you can get out and take some nice walks so do you want to introduce our guest for today sure why don't we uh get right into it with uh cav dadfar cav welcome to the show hello guys and uh it's great to be uh great to be on um it's good to speak to you guys uh and uh, a big hello from sunny England, which is not something we say often, but it has been very nice weather over here for, for the past couple of weeks, which is, wow. which is uh, making me feel even more sad that I can't be outside and taking photos. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, uh, it's beautiful over here. So, Kev, where, where in England are you? Uh, um, I live just outside London um, in a sort of a, a, a borough called Surrey, um, but I grew up in London as my hometown, and uh, I moved out uh, around about eight years ago uh, to a place called Woking, uh, which is roughly about 20 minutes uh, on a train into central London, uh, probably about the same in a car into uh, into into sort of the borders of London, into central London, it will be a bit longer. You know, you're probably looking at about three hours with all the traffic, but uh, but not too far uh, from London. You're outside the M25. I'm outside the tw- M25, only just. Uh, only just. Yeah, it's about 15 minutes drive from sort of, well, a 10-minute drive from my house to, to the M25. Which, for, for those who don't know, the M25 is London's ring road, right? Yes, yes. We call it the biggest car park in Europe. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I spent a few hours uh, uh, on the M25 stuck in traffic on more than one occasion, so I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. I guess it's good to be in the in the countryside, right? a small, a small town. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. And for someone who sort of grew up in, in London, it was a bit of a culture shock, you know, moving to uh, moving to Surrey. I, I wasn't used to not being able to step out of my house and, you know, immediately have tons and tons of shops and, you know, buses and taxis going past my house. But where I live isn't actually two, two sort of uh, countryside, you know, uh, Woking is a pretty big uh, town it's uh you know the town center is pretty big and i only live about sort of a 10 minute walk from there uh i sort of where i live is a, is a residential area so there is lots of other houses um but the great thing about it is that you know just a, a sort of a 10 15 minute drive in in the opposite direction and you are then in the countryside with lots of sort of free space to move around and woods to go and explore and and yeah it's a it's a it's a lot nicer um at, at, when you when you sort of get a little bit older i think it's nicer to be outside outside the big city and uh, have a bit of peace and quiet 
So, How old are you, by the way? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the right side of 40, just. Uh, so I'm 38, but uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to the age where I'm enjoying the peace and quiet. <laughs> tell, now you have a lawn to tell the kids to get off of, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, it's... Um, it's one of those sort of situations that uh, the, the older the older they get, the harder that's get as, that gets as well. You know, telling them to not do anything uh, seems to happen more <laughs> often, and and from their part, less frequently. So yeah, so it's, uh, it's we have got a lawn for them to get off, but they don't often <laughs> listen. <laughs> I hate to admit that it's been probably thirty five years since I've been to London, flown through many times, uh, at least Heathrow, but. I uh, have not been to London, and I don't think I would even recognize it if I went back. But I, I do need to get back there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I may be, um, I may be a little bit biased, but I, I absolutely love London. It's, it's my home city, and even, you know, with all my traveling and all the years and all the countries I've been to, um, you know, there's still something I just love about being able to explore London and, and going to all those places that uh, you don't get the tourists uh, in and all the sort of the secret places and the places I grew up. And uh, yeah, it is, a, it is a fantastic city. It is a really great city to explore. I need to see it with you. <laughs> Absolutely, by all means. Yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll see a lot of pubs. <laughs> fantastic that's my favorite well, part <laughs> well tell us a bit about your photography before we we go into the the, the topics that we have uh designed for this conversation just to to give an introduction about you what you do with when you have a, a camera in hand so to speak yeah sure um i am predominantly a a, a travel and landscape photographer um most of my work uh, tends to be geared towards uh the sort of the, the travel industry so whether it's magazines newspapers um uh, you know holiday companies um you know every everything really anything that's sort of related to travel um my style of photography i would say uh is is all about two things for me it's light um and color that's the two things that i love um you know you see some some photographers who you know really like the sort of muted colors uh i really like the sort of the bright contrasts of colors the really sort of bright you know yellows reds blues um and ultimately the the photos that i take um you know i try and make sure that they tell some sort of a story you know and and the sort of thing that will hopefully inspire uh, people to actually see the photos and want to go to that destination. You know, that's ultimately what travel photography is all about, inspiring people to to want to travel. Um, you know, so I concentrate on those two things. Um, I try and make sure that, uh, you know, I do as much as I can out in the field, you know, get the shots as, as perfectly as possible in the field. Um, you know, none of us photographers enjoy actually sitting in front of a computer and editing. We all prefer to be outside shooting. So I, I prefer to sort of get as much right uh, in camera as possible. Um, and, and really, you know, um, my, my photography would, I would say that it's, uh, it's sort of geared more towards the sort of the, the tourism industry and and you know a lot of stuff that I shoot uh, it tends to be sort of uh, taken with a view that they're going to be sold and used uh, in those sort of markets. You just said you you want to tell a story with your photos, but you also tell stories with words because you're also a travel writer, right? Um, yeah. Do you think that 
being a good writer is important for a photographer? Um, I think, it, 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 I mean, it certainly wouldn't make you a better photographer. To be a writer, um, you know, is not going to make your photos any better. Um, I think in this day and age, being a writer um, provides a lot more opportunities to be able to earn money from your photos. Um, unfortunately, you know, there is no secret in the fact that photography has has, has really taken a hit over the last 10, 15 years. Um, you know, unfortunately, the value of photographs has diminished somewhat. You know, back in certainly the mid-2000s, um, you know, when I was starting out, um, you know, you could actually earn pretty good money uh, just phot- photographing stock photography to be able to be sold through stock agencies. But over the years, you know, those fees have dropped quite dras- drastically. So now... It's a, it's a sort of a, a period in which, you know, to be a stock photographer, you, you can't really earn enough to, to make that your sole uh, income as a photographer. So being a writer allows you to uh, give your clients the total package, you know, in that um, what I mean is that most clients these days uh, are looking more for a, a story, an angle, and 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 what they can then do is, as a photographer and as a writer, you can provide them with the actual article as well as the photos, and so they have everything they need to be able to publish that article, and that has become much more valuable these days than just the photograph. You know, I mean, all you have to do is type in Eiffel Tower into Google or go into Getty and type in Eiffel Tower and you just see how many photos of the Eiffel Tower you'll see, you know, from every single angle you can possibly imagine. So it's not enough to just be a photographer and think I'm just going to sort of take photos of these famous places that have been photographed millions of times and, and earn money from it. You know, you have to try and find other ways to either come up with photos which are completely different, which Sometimes it's very difficult in this day and age uh, or actually provide the client with with something that's going to make them go, wow, this is this is all I need. I don't need anything else. So, yeah, so I think, you know, uh, be, being a writer is is definitely useful to being a photographer. It will give you a lot more opportunities, but it, it's not going to make you a better photographer. How does one become a good writer? Um, well, if, if, if you find the answer, please tell me as well. <laughs> um, I, I think, um, again, it, it's like anything. It's like becoming a good photographer. It's like, you know, uh, becoming good at painting. It's like, you know, being a good guitar player. It's all to do with practice and it's all to do with, you know, uh, honing your skills and, and trying to, uh, you know, have a clear path of what it is that you want to achieve. Um, you know, my, my biggest advice is that, first of all, you know, don't try and become the master of all trades because it's the same as a photographer. You know, I, I sort of see people who are starting out in photography and I say to them, well, you know, what do you want to photograph? And they say everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's like saying to someone, you know, what language do you want to speak? And they'll go, everything. You know, you're never going to start learning, you know, 400 languages at the same time. You know, you learn one, and then once you've mastered that, you then learn another one. And that's the same with photography. You know, you try and learn a certain genre, and then once you've mastered that, you can then go on to the next. And it's the same with writing. You know, so what I would say is um, start off by trying to write about something that one, you're passionate about and two, that you know about. Um, So when I first started writing, uh, I just started writing about photography because it was something that, 
you know, as being as a, ph- a photographer, I should know about. So um, I started writing about photography, and then you know that slowly evolved to writing about um, photography articles with a with a travel hint to them. So it was things like you know the best places in Scotland to take photos, or the you know the best. Uh, most photogenic cities in Europe, that that sort of thing, and then that sort of then slowly progressed to travel writing. So where there isn't actually a focus on photography, so things like you know the the best walks in Cappadocia or the um, or the you know the the story about northern Thailand or something. So there's nothing to do with actually travel photogra- uh, photography in that regard. It's more of actually about the story, uh, and actually then you keep going with your skills and just yesterday i wrote my first ever article about food which has nothing to do with anything that i've done in the past so you you sort of build up your skill over the years and and you know you're more likely to actually improve and see an improvement if you sort of have a clear path of how you want to get to the end end goal and and what it is that you want to achieve rather than trying to go right i'm going to write about everything to, to at the start um so my advice would be just start with a niche start with something that you are passionate about and and you know you are an expert about or you know about and you want to write about and and then build from there slowly you know i i think to be a good writer you have to be a good reader and so i think reading about the types of subjects that you're interested in writing about can really help to expand your vocabulary your, you know, th- things like that. So, I, I mean, I don't consider myself a great writer, but uh, I'm a pretty good reader. And uh, I, I just find writing very difficult. Um, mm. So it's painstaking for me. Otherwise, I would love to to write more, especially being a, a travel photographer and for the exact reasons that you're mentioning, because I, I'm sure my photography would be that much more saleable if I also wrote uh, accompanying articles yeah absolutely and i think i think that you made a good point about the reading um because you know one of the things is that as you progress you're not always going to get commissioned about you know things that you know everything about like i said you know i, I wrote a piece yesterday for a, a magazine in the uk about uh, food and you know i didn't know everything about the the what goes into these specific dishes what you know, the ingredients. So you have to do some research and you have to actually, you know, learn a bit more about it as well. So actually having the reading skill, uh, you know, will give you all the skills that you mentioned, but actually long-term it will also come in handy when you have to research topics that you may not know about completely. If I may say something, I would, my, my personal answer to that question would be that in order to become a good writer, you have to write every day. Yes, that's something that I've been, I've been writing about. I've been, I've even done podcasts about the importance of writing, mm. and it's you just you get down to write something. It doesn't matter what. Uh, if you don't feel like writing, sit down and write, and ideas will come to your mind. And unfortunately, that's something that it's something like uh, I would say, do as I say, not do as I do, because I'm. Not very good at following my own advice, but I think that's that's the number one. But Ralph, you have a very good point about reading, of course. I mean, you want to develop your writing style. Uh, you need to you need to read because otherwise your writing will probably not look like anything nice to read. You need to to read the the good writers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, what you said, Hugo, as well is um, it's that classic uh, classic experiment that was done, isn't it? The, the sort of the ten thousand hours, which is if you if you practice anything for ten thousand hours, you know, you you become an expert at it. So if you if you write for ten thousand hours, you're going to be a lot better than you were at the start of that process. So yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you know, I, I've seen some of your articles where you write about ways of making money with travel photography. What would you say some of your top two or three suggestions would be for making money with a portfolio of travel images, especially in today's climate? I think the first thing is, um, you know, you have to try and, um, you know, find something which is different to what already exists you know and and that could be through uh you know a, a particular angle uh it could be through a, a particular sort of composition that just is something different uh, or it could be that it's a different light it could be that sometimes you get lucky and you get somewhere and you've got you know wonderful conditions that give you a photo that just looks fantastic and different to what's out there the other thing is that it's really important is to 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 know what you're actually photographing for you know, and uh, one of my tips that I always give people whenever we run to the workshops, tours, anything is, is to actually know the, per- the, the final photo that you've taken, have a vision of where it's going to go in your mind. So, for example, you know, when you're taking photos uh, that what you want to be used in a magazine, for example, if you're taking a photo in a sort of a landscape format, you know, if you put your point of interest bang in the center of the image, then a magazine is never going to use that as a double page spread because you're, you know, the Eiffel Tower, if it sits in the middle of the page, it's going to fall in the center of the sort of magazine, which is known as the gutter. So no one's going to be able to see that. So you have to position your, you know, point of interest on the left or right hand side so that it appears on a page as you're sort of photographing. But then going taking that further as well, it is to think about where actually if it's going to be used in a magazine, you know, where is that art director going to be able to put some copy on it? So, you know, you want to leave some space in the sky that someone could put a headline in, or you want to, you know, put a, leave a bit of uh, foreground that they're going to be able to put their headline on there. So that's really important. Think about where it's actually going to be used and how it's going to be used. Uh, and the third one, which I think is really important, is just have a plan in terms of actually a business strategy because wanting to make money money from your photos is a lot different to just taking photos for yourself you know you have to treat it as a business and you have to look at it and go if i take this photo how much am i actually spending to be able to get that photo you know if you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars to go somewhere and and you know come back with 100 photos it's going to take you a long long time to be able to earn that money back so what you've got to do is you've got to look at it in terms of not necessarily places you want to go but you've got to look at it in terms of places that are going to give you the best results for the amount of money you spend and often those are going to be places which are close to home so my suggestion is if you you know want to make money from your photos start on your doorsteps and, and photograph what's around you things that you can go to every day really quickly um, so for me for example london you know i can be in london in 25 minutes that's going to give me a far bigger advantage than say ugo who if he wants to come to london has to get on a flight get come to london make some plans have to you know stay in a hotel um 
Whereas for me, if, hey, I can take photos in Milan. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So you can, and, and that makes and works the other way. So, you know, if you have a massive advantage over someone like me, because if I wanted to come to Milan, I have to make sure I come and be lucky with the weather being good and, you know, make sure that everything is going to be worked out and planned and there's not going to be sort of, you know, closures of things. And, and that's the, the first thing I'd, I'd advise is, you know, start on your doorstep and, and photograph what's near to you. Uh, and, and sort of then go from there and, and treat it as a business um, and, you know, make sure. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice. I mean, it makes so much sense. Um, what about someone who has a portfolio of images from places that they've been to? Is there, you know, a market for older timeless images of places that you happen to be in? that you photographed and you have this body of work. So, so now other than what it already cost you to go there, it doesn't cost you much, if anything, is there a market for those kinds of images? Yeah, sure. So there's really, um, there's, there's two avenues you can go with that or anyone can go with that. If you've already got a body of work, um, you know, the first and most, if you like straightforward way uh which is which is what a lot of photographers do especially people who are sort of starting out and want to start making money in in photography is to go down the stock sales uh so you know contact a stock agency that sells photos to magazines and they have their clients you know they will then uh take the photos that they want to sell and then they will sell them on your behalf and and you get a commission uh, a percentage of that sale um you know from the from the agency now again it's really important to sort of do your homework and find an agency that's going to be right for the type of photography that you're you're going to sell for example you know if you specialize in food photography there's no point contacting a travel aid you know a company that does travel photography and asking them to sell your photos because one they wouldn't accept your photos and two even if they did they don't have the clients that are going to maximize your sales so you want to contact someone who's going to sell the right to the right people. Um, then the second avenue is to try and sell your photos directly to to clients. Now that can be done. It's much harder to do these days than it was certainly 10, 15 years ago, um, but it can be done. Um, but you, what I would suggest in that sort of scenario is make a list of the clients that are actually going to be right for your photos. So don't just sort of blanket contact everyone and just hope that someone buys your photos you know find the niche the 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 people who are really going to be uh you know publish those photos and they're going to suit your style so for example again if you're photographing food or wildlife find magazines or newspapers uh, or even tour companies that actually specialize in that thing and and approach them and try and sell uh your photos to those people directly and you know, if you're going to go down that route, you're going to have to have a thick skin and you're going to have to have a lot of perseverance because, you know, it's very unlikely that you you probably even get a reply the first time you send photos to art editors. You know, they get thousands and thousands of people contacting them. Um, so they're not going to respond to every single person, but you just have to persist with it. And, and the more research you do into that client that you're contacting and the more, you know, your, your photos are tailored to... Uh, their magazine or their publication the more likely you are to get success in that way so that's that's what i would say if you've got a body of work that's the sort of two avenues that you can you can start by exploring i would like to talk a little bit about uh, another one of your uh, uh, ways to to make money from photography that is uh, leading tours and workshops 
Uh, you do lead a few of them around the world, at least. You, I guess you're hoping to lead a few more maybe next year. Um, I think that's a kind of a, pretty much the whole industry is uh, more or less uh, frozen right now. But you you have uh, this, uh, I found it interesting because I, I actually do the same on my website. I do a distinction between tours and workshops. And you have that spelled out very clearly in your uh in your website. So maybe first, uh, I would like to ask you what kind of destinations you offer, because people might be interested in visiting them with a, with a professional photographer. photographer. And also, uh, what's the difference between a tour and a workshop? Yeah, sure. So, um, uh, so in terms of destinations, um, you know, I, I sort of pretty much cover um, what I consider to be some of the most photos destinations in the world so india is a really popular one it's it's somewhere that i love going to 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 photograph and i think anyone who's ever been to india um will tell you the same thing that you can never go to india enough times you know there is just always something to photograph and there's always uh you know something different you know you can even just stand on a street corner for a day and probably come back with 200 different photos uh so india is is a real favorite um Another one of our uh, our real favorites as well, really popular ones, is Croatia and Slovenia. Uh, it's you know a beautiful, beautiful area of the world with you know a lot of history and 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 just just wonderful architecture and wonderful towns and villages and beautiful sort of landscape, coastal scenes. Uh, Iceland is obviously a, a real favorite for landscape photography, uh, and and Scotland. You know, I have to I have to confess that Scotland is one of my favorite landscape. Uh, photography destinations in the world it's it's stunning every time i've gone there um i'm in awe and one of the things i love about scotland and ugo i know you've been there so you probably will say the same thing is is that it's one of those places that actually for landscape photography if you have bad weather it doesn't matter you still come back with great photos because it just adds to the atmosphere you know you don't need beautiful sunny skies in fact you you probably end up with better photos if you don't have beautiful sunny skies which is great for scotland because you don't have very those that often um, as long as it doesn't rain very hard because i've been on in on the isle of sky for like for four days and two of them it rained <laughs> sideways so well, that that uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you that now, Ugo. That's pretty good. I was in the Isle of Skye uh, two years ago doing a shoot, um, and I was there for five days, and it rained for five days. It, it didn't stop at all. Um, I had I had about three hours of sunshine in the whole time I was in Scotland <laughs> on that particular trip. So I think you got off lightly if you got fifty percent of decent weather. <laughs> I didn't complain because the other two days the light was wonderful. <laughs> exactly, um, and 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 you know the other places I loved uh, sort of you know taking tours to is Bhutan. Uh, it's such a beautiful country. It's it's very sort of unspoiled and uh, it's sort of the place that you imagine Asia used to be like, you know, 25 30 years ago. So that's another favorite of favorite of mine. Uh, and then in regards to your second question about sort of tours and workshops. Um so it's it, the way that uh, I define those is uh, for me workshops are shorter uh, sort of more focused on learning uh, experiences. They, you know, my workshops tend to be in the UK, uh, and they tend to be sort of two, three days at, at most. And and what we do is we tend to run them over a weekend. Um, you know, so it might be 
two, three days in sort of the Lake District in England, or it might be two or three days in London. Uh, and they tend to be sort of really focused on actually specific scenarios. So we might go to uh, a market, for example, in London, and we, you know, try and really teach people on how to improve their photos of markets. Um and as I said, you tend to be in a central sort of location and you don't move around much. That's not always 100% the case because sometimes you will move to two, two destinations, but generally that's that's the way it works. With a photo tour, slightly different. It's, it's much longer. I tend to cover a, a greater area. So you sort of travel between destinations. Uh, and, and really for me, the focus on a, a photography tour is – obviously the learning, but it's more around actually teaching people to be able to uh, take a collection of photos that when you put it together, it almost looks like a sort of a feature that you would get in a magazine, you know, to, to come back with a story about that particular trip and, and be able to sort of put together uh, almost like you were on an assignment, uh, sort of a whole story of your journey. And, and again, you know, there are certain elements which we build into it in terms of sort of specific learning and things like that. But there is, it's not as structured in terms of this is what you're going to learn today. This is what you're going to learn tomorrow. It's more of a sort of focus on the destination rather than actually specific sort of classroom learning. So, so that's the way we define it. Or that's the way I define it. I know other people have sort of different variations of that. Um, but generally speaking, as I said, you know, my workshops tend to be in the UK for, you know, two or three days uh, and t- tours tend to be, you know, much longer and, and with less focus on the actual structured classroom learning. Ralph, I know you don't like the word workshop. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, I, I just don't like it for, for my tours. Uh, you know, so I, I just don't call my trips workshops because of the exact reasons that, that you're saying there, you know, that my, my trips tend to be anywhere from seven to 14 days and, uh, less intense on just the photography part of it. And, uh, I mean, I, I think this is a great definition that you've given us. Uh, so I, um, yeah, I've often had, I've often struggled with trying to define the difference between the two. And, and mm-hmm. I think this was a, a, you know, great definition of it. So thanks for that. Right, I just don't right. call my trips workshops. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And, and I think to be, to be really honest, I think it's, um, you know, it's something that, um, you know, for, it, for me, it has evolved uh, since I started doing these. You know, when when I first started doing these, um, you know, I just called everything workshops. Um, and then, as as you know, I started doing more and more of these. I needed something to def- to really define the difference between the really short things, which things which are only going to be sort of a weekend, and things which are going to be a lot longer. Because I was getting people contact me and going, "Oh, I'm interested in a you know workshop in India. How long is it?" And I'll be saying two weeks, and they were like, "Oh, well, I thought it was a couple of days." And it sort of quickly became clear that that's what people were sort of associating with a workshop as a sort of shorter mm-hmm. time frame. Um, but it's you know it's something that. Who knows? I might change it again and just call everything tours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of have an overlapping. I call them cultural tours with a focus on photography. So, uh, so how are you doing with uh, the current situation, the COVID nineteen that's happening right now? We're talking in late May. Um, how has that affected your 
your tour business, which I think I know the answer to, but also <laughs> what about your writing and your your stock photography? How has it affected that side of your business? Well, the, the the tours has not been any change at all. You know, we're we're running all of them, and and I've just been all over the world. You know, obviously I'm lying. That's not the case. Uh, you know, but uh, I think I think to be honest with you, I think um, everyone knows the answer to that. I think the whole travel industry. It's not just about you know photographers or people who travel or you know anyone in the travel industry, but I think the whole world. I mean, everyone is affected because it all has a knock on effect. You know, in terms of. Uh, I've just read today, actually, that some of the biggest airlines in the world are filing for bankruptcy. I think I think the latest one I read was Thai Airways, you know, obviously Virgin Atlantic, you know. So this is obviously going to have a huge effect on everything. You know, less people traveling abroad means uh, less, you know, tourism, uh, which in turn means higher prices at various places. It also means that there's less income coming to places. So it, it's it's going to have a massive effect from... From my side, I mean, uh, you know, I, I sort of quickly made the decision that we we were basically stopped all of our tours for uh, 2020. So we've got nothing now running until at least 2021. Um, we, we also stopped all the workshops that we were doing uh, until September. So at the moment, we've got nothing until at least September. And then uh, we'll sort of evaluate if, if it's safe to do so. We'll start doing our workshops again in the UK, um, you know, from September onwards. But really, to be honest with you, I think it's it's one of those situations that um, for me, I'm a firm believer that, you know, I'd rather wait and and make sure everything is safe and everyone is going to be safe and and not really try and put any extra burden on the you know, the, the people who have done such a fantastic job, you know, in the various sort of departments and health services and and all the different sort of uh, key workers that have done such a great job. You know, the last thing I'd want to do, and I think anyone, any of us would want to do is just put an extra burden on those people. So in that regard, um, I don't anticipate there to be much until 2021, uh, at which point, hopefully, we'll be able to sort of assess and, and decide uh, when we can start running tours and workshops and that sort of thing again. Um, and, and it sort of is, is reflected in photography and the whole photography industry as well. And um, again, this knock on effect affects everyone because, <clears throat> you know, if, if companies are not advertising in magazines, that means the revenue of the magazines are going down, which in turn means that they are going to have to cut budgets somewhere. And, Generally speaking, photography tends to be one of the first things that gets cut when it comes to budgets from magazines. So um, what I found that obviously with you know Lonely Planet, one of the biggest names in the in the travel business, they've stopped uh, publishing their UK magazine uh, as of a couple of months ago. The last issue has already been printed, so that's no longer exists. And you know, Lonely Planet themselves have cut down on the number of books that they're doing they're only focusing on you know guidebooks for the time being and and you know straight away you're talking about a huge huge buyer of photography uh you know in 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 this business so that has made a massive difference um you know a lot of my contacts and a lot of my clients in various magazines and you know publications have been uh either have lost their jobs or have been put on sort of leave so again you know they may not even have a job when they come back to so it's unfortunately uh, has had a massive effect on the photography industry as a whole which which already has uh, had a quite a hard time over the last sort of 10 15 years anyway and i think this has just really made it even more difficult but you know there's 
we photographers are, are always live in hope, you know, in the same way as we sit there and, and, and wait for those clouds to disperse. Hopefully after three hours of waiting, we, we kind of live in hope and hopefully there's, you know, some good news at the end of all this. And, and maybe, uh, you know, people will start being able to get back to normal and, and having not been able to travel, people will be wanting to travel and, and that need and that uh, desire to, to see ph- photography and, and have photography around will, will come back again. So we'll see. So have you put any thought on uh, what people will, will want when they start traveling again and traveling for photography and attending tours and so on? Well, do you think their expectations, their desires will change? I think um, I think people will always want to travel. I mean that that is you know something that um, is is proven to be the case since you know the dawn of time. I mean everyone has always traveled to to a certain degree through history. Now uh, in the last ten fifteen years, obviously travel has become a lot more accessible. It's become a a lot cheaper, and it's and it's become much easier to be able to travel to to places that were very difficult to travel to. So I think people will always want to travel. Um, but I do think that uh, it's going to take certainly a long time for for it to get back to the level that it was. And you know, besides just the you know the, the obvious people being nervous about traveling, you know, and, and being able to feel comfortable and safe enough to be able to go back to traveling, um, I think potentially people will be looking at smaller group sizes so i think sort of the large tour groups of you know 50 60 people which you know i i hated seeing those uh, whenever i go somewhere just purely because i think it's it's not very uh, responsible in terms of tourism and i think it's not sustainable and and you know it has such a massive footprint on on wherever you're going to so i think those sort of trips are going to you know, certainly not be around for a while. You know, it, it can't be safe to have 50, 60 people in close proximity for such a period of time. Um, but I also think that um, probably for a while, people are going to focus on, you know, just family trips. And it, it, it might be that after this, uh, you know, the travel restrictions are, are lifted and people are able to travel again, that they focus on, you know, time away with their loved ones or just relaxing holiday, you know, on a beach somewhere just to get away from it all. Um, and I think that the, the sort of the more adventure travel and the more sort of photography focused travel and hobby travel uh, will come around again. But I think it might be a, might be a little while. You know, I, I sort of think it might be a year before we will start seeing people wanting to do those sort of trips again. Um, and it also depends on the, the destinations as well, because it may be that certain destinations put in restrictions for people traveling and, you know, that might be upheld for a bit of time to come. You know, it might be that you, when you go to a place, you have to be in quarantine for a few days beforehand, or it may be that certain destinations won't allow travelers from certain countries. So all of this is going to have a have an impact. But I think, um, you know, I think the desire for, for travel will be there, and I think it, it will probably be, uh, you know, as strong as ever. Um, but I think that the actual, the way people do it in terms of, you know, wanting to go on photography holidays might, might be a little bit further away than uh, we all would want to. Uh, Ralph, you have any more questions? I don't think so. You know, we covered quite a bit and uh, it's great information. Really enjoyed the, the, uh, the time together, Cav. Thanks for being here. No worries. Thank you guys. And it was, uh, it was great to talk and it's great to catch up and, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's just great, you know, as, as photographers, I tend to be a pretty lone, 
uh, lone rangers in terms of the fact that you know it's, you, you don't get to interact with other people much, and especially when it's a situation like this. So it's great to be talking to other people, let, let alone other photographers. <laughs> still people out there, you know. <laughs> I would say photographers are just good people. <laughs> So where can people find out more about you and your tours, Kev? So uh, head on over to uh, thatwildidea.co.uk. We have all of our, all of our tours, all the information about our tours and workshops on there. Um, You know, alternatively, if people want to come and speak to me or if they want to send me a message or if they have any questions, uh, you can visit my own website, which is thatforphotography.com. and as I said, you know, I'm, I'm around on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, so, yeah, so I don't think anyone will have trouble finding me. So, uh, yeah, feel free to drop me a line if they, you know, if they have any questions or anything like that. And we'll be sure to put uh, all the links in the show notes of how people can reach you. Fantastic. Yeah, just going to say that it's that far. That's D-A-D-F-A-R, right? Yes. Because I know people sometimes are listening to podcasts while they are driving or running, so it might not be easy to to hear, uh, at least for my in, in ear that is not sure. native English. <laughs> it's D-A-D-F-A-R, correct? That's right, yes. That's right. But great. Um, so, Ralph, uh, what about you? Where can people find you online? Yeah, the usual places, uh, photoenrichment.com or alacampagna.com. And uh, I am still being very uh, cautiously optimistic about our fall tours. And we've got some wonderful trips to northern Spain, Armenia and Georgia, India, Cambodia. Just had a couple of people uh, send in deposits for my December Cambodia trip. So uh, I'm seeing people are you know, definitely still interested in travel. It's just a matter of when and where. So I'm uh, very hopeful, but uh, we're also going to be very uh, cautious about uh, not putting people in uh, situations where anyone could uh, get sick. So, um, but that's where uh, also on all the social medias at Ralph Velasco and at Photo Enrichment, and I'm uh, getting ready to launch my new. YouTube channel. It's uh, taken a while, but uh, hopefully in the next 30 days or so. And that could be found uh, at the Continental Drifter if you look on YouTube. So we'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. How about you, Ugo? Where can people find out more about your tours and everything that you got going on? Yeah, my main website is at hugochaiphotography.com or my tours are at tours.ucphoto.me. Uh, you can find me online, again, Facebook, Instagram, usual places. Pretty easy to find and to reach out to. Um, and for this podcast, you can find all uh, the episodes, including this one, at our website at ttim.photo, plus on all the major podcast platforms, including including Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, um, and uh, Spotify also, by the way. Before you totally close out, if I could mention one thing, uh, Ugo and I participated as instructors in the Out of Chicago Live, which uh, was a live conference that we did about a month ago, and just wanted people to know that they can still access 100% of those recordings 
for uh, a year. So if you're looking for some great content, some uh, places to learn every type of photography that you can imagine from some of the top instructors in the world, simply go to outofchicago.com slash live and uh, you can purchase access to those recordings just as if you were there live with us. So this is a, an incredible resource and for $300. It's a great deal. It's a great deal. Yeah, it's, uh, I think, more than 150 different presentations. So, yeah. Okay, everybody. Now let's get out and shoot.